Nerd Tries the Charm. Hi, I'm George Tekmachov, and this is Easton Target Archery Podcast number 138 with our very special guest today, an old friend of mine, someone that many of you know and some of you may not know. But if you have had any kind of exposure to international target archery media coverage any time in the past, say, 15 years, you certainly know his work. His name is Dean Alberga, and he's the official photographer of World Archery. Dean, I can't tell you how happy I am to have you on the podcast today. Well, that, that feeling is mutual, George. It's been a while, as you stated, uh, since we've talked. Uh, I'm happy to do it in this way, and, and I would, I'm certainly looking forward to meeting in person again. But for now, we'll just do it with this. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, you know, for having only- me on your podcast. It certainly would be better if uh, I could see you on a venue, uh, on the field, or behind the scenes doing your work, which a lot of people don't realize your work goes on for hours and hours after you've spent hours and hours on the field every day. But, uh, you know, it does make us appreciate the times we've had and uh, the times we'll have again in the future. But right now, I I, I think it'd be... No doubt. Yeah, I, I think it'd be great for us to get acquainted with how your background as an archer has made you the quintessential archery photographer. Because I, I think there's no question in my mind, you know, when I see you on the field, I, I see how careful you are around the shooters. You know when to take the shot, but you also have the timing down to capture those moments that are so iconic, some of which have become tremendous uh, icons of the sport, you know, that World Archery uses to promote archery and uh, and the images of emotion and performance. Um, being an archer has helped you get those shots, hasn't it? Uh, it, it certainly has, and it, it's definitely an advantage. It has definitely been an advantage for me uh, to have an archery background and uh, and then somewhat of a uh, photography background as well. So yeah, one and one, those two things just, yeah, make it easy for me to take the shots I take. So archery has been part of your life, your whole life for the most part. I mean, as a kid running around in uh, Suriname, uh, you you know, played with archery a bit, right? Yeah, I mean, like most like every kid, you know, uh, it, it, it's uh, the Robin Hoods, the, 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 the Cowboys and Indians, and then it, it was all the thing we all played. And, and actually, I started my, the, the first real arrow I shot was in Suriname uh, um, through the Eastern Foundation, actually. Um, we all know... Uh, Mr. Lloyd Brown, uh, he came to Suriname for an, uh, to set up basically archery. And I was there on vacation. Uh, at the time, I was already living in the Netherlands. And then, yeah, I, the, the, the club or the venue where they were setting up archery was actually at my dad's place. So I saw the targets, I saw the bows, uh, got introduced to archery, and, and yeah, the rest is history, so to speak. That's amazing because Lloyd, of course, as you know, was also a big part of my early archery career. Um, I met him at my first U.S. Olympic Festival back in the day, and uh, we became great friends and corroborators after that. So that's that's interesting that we both have that yeah, tie. <laughs> it is a small world, George. It is a small yeah. world. Yeah, we do keep running into the same folks over and over again that have a huge impact on our uh, on our archery lives and our lives in general. It's uh, one of the things that makes it such a pleasure to be able to see people again. can only imagine 
for you as it was for me getting back to the first event that I was able to get back to after things started to get back a little more to what we call normal. Uh, you must have been really happy and the people must have been really happy to see you as well. Oh, I mean, George, I've been traveling for so much for so long and, and from COVID, uh, basically the whole archery tournament circuit got canceled. Uh, but the moment, the moment I got a call from World Archery like, hey, Dean, can you come do this event in Switzerland? And I was like over the moon and I, I felt like a child going wherever for the first time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I was, I, for me, that was like a huge step. And then hoping it was a first step to where we are now again. So, yeah. As we speak, you're getting ready to go to Tokyo. Of course, uh, we'll talk Correct. more as we get closer to that and afterward. But uh, a lot of preparation to be done for that event. And I, I have to imagine you're excited for that. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Olympics is always the biggest event for not just the athletes, but for the whole media operations, for federations, uh, anybody who is the slightest bit involved. Excuse me. In, in the Olympics, it's something you work towards like every four years, and then getting closer to the Olympics, like butterflies are, are starting to come up again. And but it is a heck of an operation, and then I'm starting to get a bit nervous. Understandable. Feels like There's I a have lot to of shoot myself. So <laughs> there's a lot of paperwork and. Uh... There is a lot, a lot of precautions being being involved. Yeah, there's no yeah, doubt. It's, as, it's different. Yeah, as, especially this one. But it's it's uh, inevitable if, if we want to have the games continue and and have the games going on. So yeah, I, I'll take the paperwork, and it, it's not always fun, but it is what it is at the moment. And and hopefully, in the future, we won't have all this this all these things to go through. I mean, the testing, the, the, the paperwork, and, and yeah, it, it, it's not fun, as I said, but I hope it's all worth it. Oh, I'm sure it will be. I have no doubt. And, uh, you know, uh, as, as we look back at your past, what was your first Olympic Games where you were the photographer for WA? Uh, the first one was in Beijing in uh, 2008. And uh, since then, yeah, I've done like all of the Olympics. Uh, I've done some of the, not, not some, but I've done all of the, the Youth Olympics. I've done, uh, except for the one in Beijing, I did uh, all the Paralympics as well. So, yeah, I've been to quite a few Olympics. Yeah, Until, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, as you pointed out, it's always the highlight of the four-year cycle, now five years in this particular case. Only three yeah. years to Paris, so that's that's kind of nice that uh, we'll have another games just three years down the road. Yep, and and just down the road from you, um, you know, it's not far to to get to Paris from where you live in no. in the Netherlands. Paris is is, is uh, if I look at the World Cup, uh, the recent World Cup, it took me about four and a half hours from door to door. So that's yeah, it's practically local. So <laughs> that's a nice thing. Yeah. 
It's so uh, Dean, <laughs> yeah, if, if we look back, uh, Beijing 2008 and London 2012 and Rio 2016 and now Tokyo coming up, uh, which of those past games was the most memorable for you from the standpoint of the photography opportunities? Um, Recognizing that they all have something between, special. Yeah, I mean, I have to choose between uh, London uh, and, 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 and Rio. I mean, Beijing was, was my first Olympics. So I was kind of looking to find my way and, and but as, uh, yeah, I would say London. I enjoyed London because the stadium was like just across my hotel. I could basically see the archery field. I could get out of the hotel, cross the street and I would be in the stadium. Um, I liked Rio as well uh, because of <laughs> now Rio. Rio has, has a little bit of story behind it. So uh, there's a few stories there. I, heard. I wouldn't say <laughs> specifically I liked it. I, I mean, I liked it, but it has a, a special kind of memory. More than one, from what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Some uh, it is, it is, some uh, some run-ins with security and some other things I heard about. So, <laughs> yeah, we had a little run-in because of some some things that happened in in the close vicinity of the stadium. Uh, yeah, we got stopped by security officers. Let's let's keep it. <laughs> dead. There's a story. And, anyway, we'll just leave it there. Just 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 to say, just to let you know, it's no fun looking down the barrel of a gun. Yeah, I, I uh, having had a uh, experience of that myself a couple of times, I can I can vouch for your point of view. On the other hand, uh, you know, there's a big difference, of course, between the World Cup, where sometimes you are the only official photographer, and the Olympic mm -hmm. Games, where there may be twenty or thirty accredited photographers. Probably not for Tokyo, yeah. but uh, but in general terms, uh, do you find yourself um, having I, I presume more freedom of movement, of course, when it comes to dealing with the World Cup stages, the World Cup venues, because, you know, you're there as a WA official uh, yeah. with the Olympic Games. You're also there representing WA, but the uh, situation is more restrictive, shall we say. So as a photographer, yeah. you know, that's got to be more challenging because you can't move around the way that you normally can at, at the World Cup events. No, I mean, at, at, at the World Cup, I, I think it's even in the rule book that uh, the, the designated world archery photographer, so not necessarily me, but, but anyone usually. who is there under the world archery flag at a World Cup uh, has almost freedom of movement without restrictions. Yeah, pretty and close to what, say, like within, a judge, the same as a judge would have. Yeah, basically. I mean, you have to stay safe, of course. Safety is, is, is yeah. Yeah, but so do the judges. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's, it's, it, there, there's a huge difference. Um, in in uh, During the World Cups, uh, as you know, there's no tournament that can be run without volunteers. Uh, at the World Cups, most of them are archers, local archers um, that know either me or some of the other photographers and 
yeah, they you don't have to answer as many questions during games times, and and understandably, you have to go through all kinds of security, uh, not just for yourself but for the athletes and whatnot. So uh, you're a bit restricted in movement, but as you say, as I'm working for the the, the International Archery Federation World Archery. Uh, you have a little bit more movement probably than the rest of the photographers. Sure. In the case of um, equipment needs, uh, every event has different conditions, different weather. So mm -hmm. um, every one of them has different challenges. Um, you bring along a bunch of kit that might work for different things. I presume that uh, at this point you've gotten down to the point where as a photographer, you have your preferred solutions. You want to talk about that a little bit and share that with some of our listeners that might be photography enthusiasts? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, um, basically, I've been using the same kit uh, that I've been using since I started. Uh, I think since 2006, I have changed just one lens and the rest of the lenses are, are yeah, minimum 15 years old probably. Uh, what I do change uh, basically every Olympic cycle every four years is uh, camera bodies um, to be honest I don't care too much about the bodies I mean they have to be good they have to have like uh, certain things that uh, you would need as a, a pro photographer or semi-pro photographer but uh, if I could give anyone a bit of advice, it would be like, don't, yeah, don't be afraid to spend money on glassware, on, on lenses. Uh, a good lens will probably last you a lifetime. Um, camera bodies are subject to, to change. Yeah, but, in fact, I suppose they have a limited lifespan of, you know, several hundred thousand shots before the shutter systems start developing issues, things like that, right? Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Nowadays, the, 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 the digital SLRs, they would maybe go like half a million shots or clicks, so to speak. Uh, some go maybe a little bit further. The, the shutter is in, uh, changeable, so if, if, the, if your shutter breaks, you can change the shutter, but yeah, the the lenses are something. Yeah, I would not hold back on. In in general, if I have to pay you, extra for a good lens. I'll pay it. Sure. Do you have a sp specific lens setup that you like to use the most for reaching out and getting some of those shots that you get? Um. Yeah, like during during qualification, uh, there's only a few angles that you can get shots from. So there I would use like my 24-70, 2.8, and my 70 to 200. Um, when elimination starts, especially at the games, uh, I have a few more angle options. So I would use like a 400 just to get the shot from uh, the front, trying to catch the arrows. Uh, those are the, the shots people like. Um, what I did in Rio and in London as well, I tried to get a shot of the arrow leaving the bow from every archer. 
which I succeeded in. Yeah. So I was quite happy with it, but uh, those are not like the the most important shots for me. I I, I mean, if I look at what what uh, press agencies do, uh, if you go to any press agency website, you'll find a lot of close-ups of uh, Archer's face and the bow um, showing yeah, who the archer is and, and which sport it is. But my, I, I think my job is also like showing the tournament. And, and so I, I try to focus on, on emotions, on surroundings, what's happening around, what's happening in the background. And all that kind of kind of stuff. So it's for me. It's not just taking photos of artists. It's showing the tournament. What what's going on there? Yeah, very well put. Because uh, one thing you get when you scan through one of the albums that WA puts up after you've done your work is you get a sense of the entire event, not just close-ups of arrow points on clickers or somebody's eyes, but the entire big picture. You can almost feel like you've been there, or if you've been there, you can relive a lot of things that maybe you didn't notice when you were there. And that's, that's one no, of the no, things. Exactly. That, and then, I mean, we go to some iconic venues and it's always nice to, to show the surroundings. I mean, of the field, the, the, the field of play, uh, something in the background that shows you where, I mean, like the, the World Cup finals in Paris, where we had uh, at the Trocadero with uh, the Eiffel Tower in the background, uh, those kind of iconic shots. Yeah, that's what I what I'm looking for mostly. So, yeah, and that's exactly the kind of uh, image that I had in my mind when I when I mentioned that is is exactly that kind of shot. Any others come to mind, Dean? That uh, that are memorable for you? Did you you took the uh, shot up on the, my, great my, wall of, one, the, the Great Wall of China shot with uh, JC? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think we were one of the, the the few sports during that time that that was allowed to be on the, the Great Wall of China in full gear and uh, getting some promotional shots for the, the upcoming games in Beijing. Uh, the shots the shots you were talking about, I took in 2007, just a year uh, at the test event, basically. So, yeah, and, and one of my all-time favorite shots is still uh, one I took like early morning in, uh, in when we had the, the World Cup in Ogden. I was sort the of first one on the missed. the first one on the field, and the targets were just the target faces were just put up, and the light was so perfect, and I, I took a shot there, and and yeah, it, it's it's one of still one of my favorites. So yeah, that photo actually gets a lot of mileage. It gets used. It got used in a lot of places uh, because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. iconic, you know. Yeah. How so did yeah, you manage and, to get? How did you? I gotta ask. How did you get a target? You had a whole target butt up on the Great Wall of China. How did you do that? Oh, we had, <laughs> we had a, a bunch of volunteers uh, helping to carry us, uh, carry the target up, up, the, up the wall because there were a lot of stairs. There, there are no elevators. So, and we had to walk like, I think, two miles with the target to find like the spot where we wanted to be. To get those photos, so it, it, it's um, uh, we were so happy that those volunteers were there. I can imagine. Because uh, yeah, without them, it would have been like a mission impossible. 
Yeah. Well, it all, it looked like it anyway, because, you know, if you realize the context of just getting to the wall and then getting up the thing with a target, butt, it just, when I look yeah, at that, no, I was no, like, and, oh. I mean, <laughs> and you, you know how many people visit the wall. So we had to be there like early morning and, and trying to avoid uh, tourists because we wanted to shoot some arrows. So, yeah. It was, so it, J- was it, it was an operation. I know JC. I know Juan Carlos Holgado shot some arrows. You got to shoot some too. I got to shoot some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you you realize that makes you Chinese guys the world. first that makes you the first people in like a thousand years to shoot arrows up there. You know that, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. No, it was like like I said, you cannot go to the the wall with with the, the opportunity we had and not shoot any arrows. So yeah, that's fantastic. You know, the uh, the thing that comes to mind, of course, is that in the course of preparation, publicity, all these things, we do find ourselves with gear in places that you would never normally see archery gear or be allowed to have arrows or be able to shoot. And, and that's obviously one of the examples. Uh, there's probably no, a few yeah. more, you know. Yeah. No, true, true, true. And and And... That's why, yeah, I, I consider myself lucky and, and to, to get the break I got in, in 2006. And uh, I'm, I'm still enjoying every moment of it. So, every, uh, Everybody I know who's been involved in photography for our sport has a photo that they're particularly, it's in a particularly special place in their mind. You know, if we talk about our friend Yoshi Komatsu, uh, that mm-hmm. photo of Butch Johnson Butch, shooting in the rain, rain in yeah. Atlanta, right? Um, there's got to be one like that for you Butch. as well. Can you identify one for that, like that for us to, to think about? Oh, that's uh, <laughs> a really tough one. Yeah, I bet it is. Um, yeah, I mean, for instance, we're doing the, the top five after every event now, and, and I... I <laughs> Chris, Chris Wells, our media uh, director, he knows that is the if, if there's one thing I I really don't like is like picking five photos at each event or after each event and mark them as my favorite. So yeah, I was wondering about that. You know that for those of you who don't know, there's a feature now that World Archery has been putting out where Dean, after each event, uh, puts up a post on the World Archery website with his five favorite shots from that event. It's got to be agony trying to figure that out. Oh, man. I mean, if you think at an event, like a regular World Cup, I would take anywhere, let's say during qualification days, between 500 and 750 photos. And on finals days, it'll be like at least a thousand photos. And I mean, they're not all different photos i mean you, you have your your, your 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 bursts that you have now and then but still there's so much things happening during the world Cup. It, it's almost impossible to find like five photos that i really like and there's always more and then i have to pick i make a selection like every day i try to make a selection of the my favorites of the day and then at the end of the tournament, I, I will have maybe all those days added up 
some 20, 25 photos. And then I have to pick like, again, five of those. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I. <laughs> Not easy. By it's any something mean. I don't like to do. No, I can imagine. I, I, I can relate a little bit because WA has had me working on a um, set of features on the top five archers from certain WA countries. How do you pick the best five archers, you know, uh, know when you have a country? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> similar problem, right? Uh, you have so many people you want to mention yeah. Yeah. in that context because in their own way, they, they deserve a place in that. But, you know, some, somehow you got you can, you can do that. You can do that with archers because you can go off of results. But you can't do it with photos because part of it's the emotion that the photo generates and what you were thinking so, uh, at the time exactly. that you took and then, it and all that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at my 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 favorite picks of of like a World Cup, like the the top five, um, sometimes then you don't even see which sport it is, and and <laughs> because it, it's an emotion on someone's face, or you know what I mean, and yeah, you're associating it with a it's, particular. It's, it's thing. difficult. One of the uh, one of the types of photos that you've popularized um, in the last ten years has, of course, been uh, some of those iconic shots of Brady Ellison and his reaction to the um, you know to the win, right? The the sort of Brady roar thing that we've yeah. been seeing and that most people are familiar with. I think, though, Dean, between you and me, I think it's gotten to the point now where he's waiting for you to get in a position before he releases the roar. <laughs> You know, I, I, in, I, I think it was uh, Colombia and uh, one of the World Cups there. And, uh, he was in the first and he was, I think, going to have his, I, I don't know how many wins it would have been if he won the tournament. Yeah, like 15 wins or something like, like that. Yeah, you run over or you turn around and you point at me. So I get you like, with your thing pointed at me and he did <laughs> he did win yep. and he kept his promise and he turned around and did it but yeah most of the time it's all spontaneous uh, as I've, I've been around as long as I've been uh, you know the archers you know how they react after a win I mean you have Brady Braden uh, Mike Schlosser I mean you, you know those guys and you know exactly the way they turn how they turn how they're going to react so you know exactly where to stand and it is sometimes it's luck Some, I mean I don't think Brady will ever get that win but I, I would understand like after number I don't know thousand he would not be like roaring as much as win number one or with uh, win number hundred or whatever. But sure, sure. Brady's Brady, and then. But to that point, your work has done a great deal to help create the images that give our sport the personalities that have created a lot of media interest. You mentioned Brady. I, you know, we talked about Brady, of course, but we've also got lots of other iconic shooters who, you know, you mentioned a few like Mike Schlisser and Braden Galantine. Any others come to mind? Yeah, I mean, uh, at, at 
couple of years ago, uh, Dave Cousins. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dave Cousins for sure. One of the, the, the great compound artists ever. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's. I mean, everybody reacts in a different way, but some just give that little bit of extra emotion that you want to capture in a shot. And it's, uh, I mean, there's also video, um, but yeah, you cannot print a video and hang it on the wall. No, it's not the same. Getting that exactly. one slice and, and of time, you know, that's that's the that's the talent that you bring to the field, Dean. Yeah, and and, and that that's what I, I like to think is like I just freeze that one moment in time, and and uh, you know, George, it, it it's a thing when when people see a camera, uh, some people act in a different way. Uh, sometimes I'm I'm trying to take a shot, and someone tries to photobomb. Sure. And, yeah. And I had a big discussion with one of the archers who did it. And uh, I mean, nothing really happened. It was a good discussion. And what happened? I was getting ready to take a shot and he photobombed the shot. He jumped in front of the my camera, so to speak. And luckily, I didn't miss, I didn't miss the shot. But I just spoke with him afterwards. I said, hey, what if this was like the shot of my life. Yeah. And you I mean, you know, would you, would you, I mean, you'd never uh, deliberately do something while somebody was shooting their bow. So no. if you think about it from the standpoint of what you're there to do, I don't think that that's too dissimilar because those shots only come around once in a lifetime. Exactly. Like I said, you have this, this, this thing happens and you want to be there and, catch it and, and I mean this particular archer is a good friend and so he understood and, and I mean there was no nothing happened but I, I was just explaining like hey this could have been the shot of a lifetime and you could have ruined it if it was and he well, understood I, and he yeah. yeah so you know I mean that's that's the thing you, you've you're there to get those images that will be around in a hundred years. People are, you know, in, in the future, we'll be looking at the work that you've done now. And just as we look back at some of the photos from the early days of, you know, the Olympics back in the 1900s, early 1900s, mm -hmm. um, there's going to be people a hundred years from now looking at these photos and seeing what's happening in, in uh, Tokyo and, Paris and yeah, no, exactly. Los Angeles yeah, yeah. and you know all these things that uh, that you bring and it's it's very special job that you've got. Dean. I I have to say um, I don't know too many people that could do it, but I I don't know anybody that can do it as well as you do as consistently as you have done over the years. It's been fantastic to see, and I'm really looking forward to see what you bring back from Tokyo. Uh, thank you, thank you, George. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, me, me too. It's 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 like I said, this has been. A big part of my professional life and and i hope i could still i i still get to do it i, I don't know how many years and it of course it's, it's not just me but uh, how long does world archery want me to do what i do so yeah it's it's but i hope for a long time still to come so yeah
Yeah, there is a physical aspect to what you have to do too. I think that that needs to be mentioned. And that is that uh, you're out there. I mean, as an archer, you know, you're out there for say four hours, you shoot your arrows, uh, you go back under shade, you hydrate, you do everything else. You're out there from an hour before the archers get there. And then you're working well into the night afterward. You're out in the sun, uh, out in the weather. You don't get a break during the entire competition. I don't know if anybody on that field of play has as much of a physical task to do as you do individually. And I think that's a, that's a uh, big aspect of this, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you, you, you got to be like super fit, but <laughs> you, you, you got to be somewhat fit. And, and I mean, there's a lot of walking, as you say, in the sun a lot. Uh, when, when the archers get off the field, my, my, my work starts to uh, select, edit, and, and upload photos, uh, uh, getting ready for the next day, make sure my gear is in order. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, it's easily a 16-hour day. Sure. So, and, and but, and, and like sometimes I said, more. you don't have to be super fit, but, I mean, if, if you enjoy what you do, it, it helps a lot, and. I, I have to say, I try to stay fit. Uh, I'm, I'm not the youngest anymore, but yeah, I still, yeah, try to stay in, in some sort of shape to be able to do this in like every week. It's, and, and it's not just uh, the photography part, it's, it's also the traveling. You're traveling from one time zone to another time zone and then going forward in time, flying back and then going backwards in time so yeah i always i mean i've been in this so long george and and i still try to improve i still try to learn stuff and and still try to get better and as long as i i get the opportunity handed to me by by world archery by uh, you by anybody who gives me a chance to get better i'll take it and and it's 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 a non-stop learning experience, so you never stop. It never stops. Dean Alberga, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. It has been a pleasure, and uh, we're going to want to look forward to hearing uh, from you again after you get back from Tokyo and uh, find out what 2020 Olympic moments stand out in your mind. Thanks, Dean. I'll make sure I make a good selection for you. We are in the home stretch with nine days to go as we speak right now. Tom Dillon. Secretary General of World Archery, thank you very much for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to join us today. Pleasure as always, George. Well, Tom, uh, the excitement is building in Tokyo. I expect that as we speak, there are athletes from around the world getting on airplanes, headed, winging their way into Haneda Airport in Tokyo, getting ready for the most important event in five years not just for our sport, but for sports in general. It's been a long time since the last time we saw archers standing on an Olympic field. I can only imagine that when this gets started, you're going to be feeling profound relief. Absolutely. I think uh, it will be the, <laughs> the feeling of everyone is that it's happening. Um, and uh, I think we also feel much happier when it's all over and we don't have to worry about, uh, I would say, uh, finding solutions for people not being able to compete because of uh, COVID positive and, and things like that. So 
definitely uh, very much looking forward to arriving in Japan. Actually, I will arrive in Japan on Saturday and then also uh, seeing people on site practicing and then as of the 23rd competing. One of the things we've seen is actually we, we have less member federations or, or national Olympic committees participating uh, than in the two previous games. Uh, we had 51 NOCs. And I think one of the reasons is that uh, definitely more countries have invested in women uh, athletes. And, 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 and this, is, this is, of course, one of the reasons we wanted to have the mixed team is to have more gender equity and, and more development of, of the women's side of our sport. And, and I'm very, I, I, was, I would say it's, of course, sad not to have more countries but on the other hand, it's, it's good to see a, a better balanced uh, situation than in the past. Very important point, because one of the main pitches that was made to the IOC was the increase in the universality of our sport afforded by the potential for a mixed team round, as well as the gender equity in our sport and equality in our sport. And it seems like that goal has been achieved uh, and will be achieved going forward. Absolutely. And, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I would say it's, it's a little bit sad that not all mixed teams will be competing for the, the title in a, in a sense of match play because uh, we will lose nearly half of them after the, the ranking round. Uh, but uh, at the same time, it, it is going to be a very competitive mixed round competition. And we're very excited. We have the information that the IOC president will come and visit us for the two medal matches of the mixed team round. So we very much look forward to showing him what we made as promise uh, when he came and visited us in Antalya some years back and we were pushing to have it included. Yes, that really is good news. In fact, um, I, was, I was there in Antalya when President Bach uh, was able to view our sport. And I, I would expect that that, positive experience that he had watching that particular event may very well have had a lot of weight. Um, you never know when one single event can change how things can go. And, and that was certainly, um, you know, at the time a goal, but it was in the distant future. That future is now. Absolutely. Looking at the logistics situation, uh, with nine days to go before the games, of course, the entire staff at Tokyo 2020 has been burning the midnight oil, working very hard. Do you have any updates for us on uh, preparations at the venue at Yumanoshima? Well, I, I, I haven't seen, I would say, the latest pictures, but the ones I saw last week looked very good. Of course, the, 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 the main decision of, of last week was, the, of course, the, the fact that there's no spectators and, and therefore all the preparations uh, of uh, the spectator experience, the stands, the, uh, the, uh, the food and beverage opportunities, the, the, the gift shops and so on and so on. I, all of those things were put in place and won't be used, uh, which is, of course, very sad. And I, can, I can't imagine the feeling for all those volunteers that were going to guide the, the spectators to their seat and, uh, and have a big smile and they have to queue and so on and so on. It's, it's, it, is, it is sad from that point of view, but on the other hand, we are going ahead. We have a, a great venue. Uh, I think OBS, the Olympic Broadcasting Services, will do a fantastic job to broadcast it all around the world. Uh, and we, we have uh, already had information from the IOC that it will be 
mobile broadcast than ever before. Uh, and, and so it's no excuse not to watch archery on television during the Olympic Games. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, here in the United States, of course, NBC, but around the world, some of the broadcasters are going to be tapping into some premium level archers for their coverage. We've got Kibo Bay, who's going to be broadcasting in uh, Korea, from what I understand, Tom. Yeah, exactly. That's the information we got uh, as well. And uh, I'm pretty sure there will be other, uh, I would say, well-renowned archers uh, commenting uh, live uh, uh, on television. And um, uh, this, of course, will bring another excitement that you have a, an expert commentator together with the local star uh, commenting uh, sport. And uh, that, that, of course, brings additional excitement uh, to the game. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um President Bach, of course, is in Japan right now, and uh, there's been extensive media coverage of his visit. One of the things that has cropped up in the last 24 hours is a concerted effort to try to get some spectators into certain venues, uh, specifically football, soccer. Um, any rumblings of any kind about any kind of last-ditch effort to try to get a few spectators into the stands? Um, no, and, and I think it's 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 going the other way uh, with 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 football as well. Uh, I think uh, they they more or less given up on the idea. But uh, you never know. It's <laughs> if this one thing we learned with all of these things is that uh, um, not nothing nothing is fixed. So who knows? Uh, we had uh, some tickets which we uh, were giving to our partners. They were sent. They are now, uh, luckily it's all electronic tickets, uh, but they're somewhere on, a, I would say, on a desktop to be put in the waste basket uh, at some stage, uh, unless there is a sudden change, who knows? Now, the impact to the event itself is going to be relatively minimal in my experience, strictly from the standpoint of the athlete's performances. You know, every archer I've ever spoken to, uh, almost without exception, has made the point that when they're shooting, they're not paying attention to what's being said on the PA. They're not paying attention to the crowd. They're simply focused on what they're doing. So we might lose a little bit of atmosphere, but I understood that um, there was some discussion that there might be some artificial atmosphere injected into some of the venues. Do you know if that's something that might be planned for ours? We don't know any details yet. There has been, we are aware that it will be possible for parents, family and friends to send some messages that would be shown on, on video screens or communicate in some way. So there is, there is certain things that have been planned, but we don't have the details yet. Uh, these are one of the things that I definitely will look into as soon as I arrive. Uh, but we, we know they, they want to do certain things, yes. Okay, so that could be something that could add to the, the atmosphere for the athletes, I think. And, you know, it could certainly be uh, an added incentive for some of them. Um, I'm not saying that they don't care about what spectators say or do or the cheers that they get. But I do think that, you know, I was talking to Dean Alberga. Dean made the point they're sure going to hear the camera shutters a lot more. Uh, exactly. And, and I think this is the, the, the thing is that um, I... <laughs> We, we, we both have shots in front of, uh, I would say, a little bit of crowd at some stage in our life. And it, it, it makes it easier in a certain sense and more difficult than another side. So it's some people get more excited, get better with crowd around, uh, and some others just panic out. 
so um, it's we will we'll have to wait and see what it brings. And um, uh, I must say, I felt much better when we had the event in Paris with uh, around uh, thousand spectators than when we were in Guatemala in Lausanne with no spectators because it was a different feeling, and I think the athletes felt a difference as well. So. It's, it, it is a difficult one to call. And, and it, it, one thing is for sure, this, these games will be unique. That's the only thing we're sure of. You're absolutely correct. So it's a little early to talk about, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, now we're only three years from Paris. And I have to imagine that that is going to be the main focus uh, after World Championships, of course, and everything else still taking place this year. Let's not forget all of, all of that. Paris is going to quickly become a uh, very important uh, activity to prepare for around world archery, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's also why I think one of the, the critical things uh, we are doing in Tokyo is we have uh, some of the key people that will be involved in Paris in Tokyo. We, we bring uh, people, uh, we have our event delegate, uh, which is uh, Sebastian Flute, who will play a critical role in Paris. We don't know yet which one, but they will play a critical role for sure. We have the event delivery company that we will partner with that will also be with a team of three people in Tokyo. So we are, I would say, very much in Tokyo with a perspective to Paris as such because we have to catch up that year that has been lost. It's not just Tokyo starting in uh, nine days, of course. Uh, just a few weeks after that, we have the Paralympic Games. I imagine that there will be some learning opportunities at the regular Olympic Games that will be applied at the Paralympic Games. Uh, any thoughts there uh, as far as preparations for the Paralympics, which are at the same well, venue? I think that uh, as, as people from the Paralympic movement say, will say, we will have a great test event in a few days from now. Uh, and, and, and that will be more than more true than ever before. And, and okay, one of the questions that still is in the air is, okay, what will happen with, with spectators in the Paralympics? Because there's no decision on that at this time yet. Uh, the state of emergency would finish before the Paralympics, as it is currently being the case. But um, uh, for sure, we will, we will have the full experience of all the measures in place for COVID, the, the role of the COVID liaison officer will be much more clearer. Uh, the sampling procedures will be uh, routine. Uh, I, I think we will learn a lot from the experience of the Olympics or the Paralympics. So I think that the Paralympics is always already a little bit more relaxed, but this time even more. One of the uh, NHK articles from this morning indicated that as of yesterday, uh, Japan was at a vaccination rate of 11, excuse me, 18 and a half percent, but that it could get over 40 percent by the time of the Paralympics if things continue to go smoothly. Um, that could certainly have an impact and potentially create a situation where there possibly could be spectators for the Paralympics. We'll have to wait and see, as you say. Yeah, I think the vaccination rate will definitely play a role. Uh, we've seen uh, with things like uh, the Euro football uh, competition uh, that uh, there were special rules in place for vaccinated people and so on. So I, I think it, it definitely is, uh, is the case. 
and and for sure this will be part of our, our future is that uh, things will be much easier for people that are vaccinated than the ones that are not not so anyone listening who isn't yet go and get yourself vaccinated i did and i can tell you that uh, it certainly takes a load off your mind there's no doubt about that my personal mind uh, you know you're you're not as obviously you're still you know being careful but you're not as paranoid yeah Tom Dealand, Secretary General of World Archery. Thanks for joining us on the uh, Eastern Target Archery podcast. Best of luck as you head to Tokyo and enjoy the event. I, I think it's going to be a memorable one, one for the history books. I'm pretty sure.